Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. I want to speak to you this morning. Um, I want to speak to you about treasure. And uh, today's message is really about finding again the treasure of being in His house. Uh, the treasure that's in the house of God and being a part of the kingdom of God and finding our purpose. And uh, today's message is called, called There is Treasure in His House. And uh, let's speak to that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says this It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to notice that. It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. And I think that puts a sort of question mark in my, in my thinking about, well, what is my treasure? If my heart's going to be where my treasure is, then what, what, are, what is my treasure? So treasure is um, something that uh, you're prepared to lay down your life for, something you invest in, something that captivates you, something that um, uh, you are prepared to do anything for. It's the things that are so important to you, that's where you put your heart, all right? So you're going to ask your question, what's your treasure? What are the things that are so important to you that you'd defend it, you'd lay down your life for it, you'd put your heart into it? Remember the movie Lord of the Rings? Back in the day, there was that creepy creature called Gollum. And uh, Gollum had a treasure, didn't he? It was a ring. He's going, my precious, my precious. Um, and, and at the end of the movie, he dies to save his ring or his treasure. And so that's what treasure is to us, is the things that are so important. And I think treasures that we should look at and intently uh, recognize are things like our health. Your health is a great treasure. Your relationship with God is a great treasure. Your marriage, your family should be your treasure. Your freedom your prosperity should be your treasure. The purposes of heaven should be your And I suggest that that is a worthy list of treasures, but I'll tell you how I know what your treasure really is because your treasure is where you'll invest your time and put your energy into it. Not by what you say, but what you do. For example, your bank statement isn't just an accounting document, it's a moral document as well. In other words, it tells you what's important to you you spend your money or you invest from there in it. So treasure is really important. And, and I think we've got to stop every now and then again and identify what are my treasures. Because if you don't look after your tre treasures, if you don't keep them in place to be safe, that you, look, I know wherever there's treasure, there is a treasure pirate. Wherever there's treasure, there are pirates. There's always pirates if there's treasure. And I know this, that if you don't protect what's important to you, pirates will come in and steal it. And there are many pirates that come and steal our treasure, the things that are important to us for all sorts of reasons. But let me just speak about one. A great tre treasure pirate that I find that destroys great treasures is the pirate of familiarity. It's when we get... Once something was so exciting and fresh and new and important to us has now become plain, mundane, and sometimes even annoying. It started great, but now the pirate of familiarity has come to steal 
your treasure. Now, I've got the story here of a young couple that got married, and obviously this is before COVID, um, and uh, the story of, of her getting a cold every year or a flu, and her husband's response, and of course, you're brand new married, year one, uh, she's got a bit of a sniffle, I'm really worried about that sniffle, uh, I'll drive you to the doctors, I've got your mum coming over to cook dinner, uh, year two, uh, she gets a little bit of a cold. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called the doctor. He's coming straight over. Year three, maybe you should lie down and uh, get, I'll get you some soup. But year four, things start to uh, just change a little bit. You know, it's, um, hey, hon, be sensible. Make sure you lie down after you've done the ironing and picked up the kids. And then year five, it's more like, sounds bad. The codril's in the bathroom. I'll, I'll call you later. And year six is more like, hon, why don't you gargle with something instead of sitting around here barking like a seal? And then year seven, for Pete's sake, cover your mouth. <laughs> Do you want me to catch something? Obviously, it's COVID. You know, but the point is that there's this, this thing that called familiarity comes in and steals your treasure. There was the most important, exciting part of your life, and now it's ordinary, plain, and somewhat annoying at times. Church life can be like that. You come excited. You got saved and Jesus was doing great things. People would get saved. You get excited and things would take place. And now it's when we, we clap the guests and it's, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then, oh, it's the older girl. Praise God. It's time for a coffee. Um, you know, th there's that sense of we've lost what was important to us and our treasure becomes mundane, plain, and it's raining a little inconvenient. So again, what I'm saying today is that we've got to protect what is our treasure. You've got to identify what your treasure is and then intentionally protect it. You must continually put honor on the things that are important to you. Must continue. When we ask you to stand to, uh, for the guest speaker, whoever's speaking that day, it's not as I need some acclamation to my life. No, it's not at all. What we're saying is we want to make sure that you remember to honor the word of God honor the word of God. Remember to withstand. We're going to clap welcome, but we're going to honor the word of God because it's in that place that continues to remind us we need to put honor on the things that are important to us. Otherwise, pirates will steal them away. So I see this as a significant to you and I that we don't lose our treasure or the importance of our treasure. And today's message is really about the treasure that's found in his house. The treasure that's found in the house of God. You know, the truth is, at the end of the day, when we become a believer, our goal is no longer to go to heaven. That's a result of believing in Jesus. Once you're a believer, the goal is no longer to get to heaven, it's to bring heaven to earth. You see, our great treasure is not to get to heaven, our great treasure is while we're alive to bring heaven to earth. That's our, and if we lose that treasure, we lose the reason that we're here beyond ourselves. We build up a kingdom that's our own rather than the kingdom of God. So to a Christian... The treasure must be our great reward, and we must protect it at all costs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It doesn't say seek second, seek third, or seek last. It says seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Why is that? Because it's in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things that you and I need and want are then added to us. 
The way the kingdom of God works is through the concept of attraction. Not chasing, attraction. We're not trying to chase the world into the church. We're meant to attract the world into the church. Jesus said this, they out there will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. See, it's not about chasing, it's about attracting. It's not about chasing money. It's about getting good at what you do and money is attracted to you. I tell the young guys in our church, it's not about <laughs> chasing the girls, it's about attracting them. Have a shower. <laughs> Get a job. That's how the kingdom works. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, put it as your high treasure. Yeah. Seek it. And the things you want and need shall be added unto you. There's treasure in the house of God. And we've got to see it as our treasure in, in that respect. To be captive. And to seek is not to, to peek at. To seek is to be captivated by. To chase it down. To make sure that you know. See, God hides his great treasure. Not that it won't be found, but it must be looked for. So it's not about falling over the treasure of God. It's about seeking the kingdom of God and then his right and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then it tells us in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 92, verse 13 and 14, and it says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear, still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. Next week is my birthday. And I'm not going to tell you how old I'm going to be, but I do get discounts now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and I, I still want to be fresh and flourishing. That's what it promises me. It promises me that in old age... I mean, you know when you're getting old, when you go down to tie your shoes up, you decide what else can you do while you're down there. <laughs> I want to be fresh and flourishing. So my way to be fresh and flourishing in the spirit is to be planted in the house of God. It's to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then these things that I need, it doesn't matter what age you are, shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom. Be plant and planted doesn't mean popping in every now and then. It means being locked in, roots down. Community-wise, we're here. This is the house of God. These are my people. That's what being planted is. It's being, and God promised you'll be fresh and flourishing. Be planted. There is great blessing and reward in being about God's business and planted in his house. And at the end of the day, there's only one thing that Jesus is coming back for. It's his church. He's not coming back for the world. He's not coming back for everybody. The Bible says he's coming back for his bride, his church. That's the house of God. Now understand, the church is not perfect because you're in it. The church is not God. Be assured of that. But the church is God's. It belongs to God. Jesus said, I'm coming back for my bride. And the Bible speaks about the bride of Christ being the church. So he's coming back for the church, the people that are responding, that seek first, that are planted in the house. And, and you've got to be assured that you can't, you can't love Jesus and not love his church. Because he's the bridegroom and she's the bride. You can't, you can't say to the bridegroom, you're awesome, your bride, she's a bit ugly. It's not cutting it with any bridegroom. And it's the same with us. We've got to realize that there's treasure in his house because it's his bride. 
and we're connected to that part of the world. Our treasure is being planted in the house of God. So important that we understand this. So today I want to just speak to you briefly about out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And it speaks about the treasure of being in the house of God. So let's read that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Can the lights go up a little bit? I've got a birthday coming. and like That's better. Oh, it's flashing lights. Great. That helps. Oh, that, that's perfect. What is that light? There it is. Now I can see. The rest before that was done on memory. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Through 9. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. I look at the scripture and it's Paul speaking to his young disciple Timothy about how to build this sense of the treasure of God in the house. And he talks about four different levels from what I can ascertain in that scripture, different parts of our experience. And each one has its own level of treasure and own level of blessing. Number one, it said, God gives us all things to enjoy. In other words, everything that was created was supposed to be God-given for joy. Of course, the devil, the enemy has turned things around and made that which was once good, now used for evil. But all things were given to mankind to enjoy. And I want to tell you right now that being planted in the house of God should be enjoyed, not endured. If you... If you if you're enduring your Christian experience, you've lost your first passion with Jesus saving you. You've lost it. Something's missing in your heart. It's not to be endured. Can I tell you what religion is? Religion is not the church down the road with the stained glass windows. I want you to hear this. Religion is what good people do when they lose their passion for Jesus. It's what good people do. In other words, they're not giving up on their faith, but they've lost their passion, so they go into ritual and religion, outworking the things. The trouble with enduring is it wears you out. Enjoyment never wears you out. Endurance does. So we've got to get passionate again. Isn't what I'm saying? You've got, to, you've got to continually put honor on the house of God. You've got to put it back up to that place. This is a great treasure to be a part of what God's got here. It's our community. It's our friendship. It's our people we do life with, the common values, the common faith, purpose, and it does have some really funny moments in it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, goes this. Come to me. And this, is what he's, this is what I'm saying. It's to enjoy. This is what Jesus is saying. Come to me, all who labor in pain, weighed down, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, there should be a sense of goodness about coming to the house of God. Take my yoke. And the word yoke means teaching back in the Old Testament. So take my teaching upon you and learn from me. This is what Jesus says. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my teaching is easy and my burden is light. There's a sense of once you're in relationship with Jesus, there should be a freedom and a peace. See, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. If you're waiting to get peace because you've got no more problems left, good luck. Because I know life is one problem after another, 
after another break after another after another till the day that you die. I just want to encourage you all this morning. So I can't wait to have no problems to find peace. I find my peace not in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God. Because he is the one that takes the burden off my soul, the pressures from my life, because they will come. Therefore, I can breathe easily knowing he is for me and not against me. I can enjoy his presence and the house of God, even though there's problems and situations. As a matter of fact, in my job, if there was no problems, I wouldn't have a job. If I got to work and there wasn't a problem, I'm out of work. My whole life is dealing with problems. That's all I get paid for. And the truth is, they don't get to my desk unless they're really big problems. So every time I go to work, I face really big problems. Every day. And, 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 and I, I don't feel burdened. I'm called to do that. But I also know that the peace of God is around me. It's what I mean. God's called me to enjoy all things. And the truth is, if you're enjoying your experience with Christ, there's a good chance you're attracting others to the kingdom of God without even trying. If you're walking around like you've been sniffing lemon juice, no one's following you. But if you love the house, you love the bride, you love the bridegroom, you love it, it's a treasure, then you will attract people to the kingdom of God. And it's important that we're not crazy about this because God is after fruit, not nuts, for a start. And it's important that you can attract people just by who you are, but you can also turn people away just by not really enjoying or being the person that God's called you to be. I remember our first church in Noosa Heads. Um, there was this guy who would come after church and have coffee in the cafe. Um, and he wouldn't come into church. His wife was in our church. And uh, he was around. I'd see him there often say hello. And eventually I thought, I wonder what's going on. So I said, let's have lunch. Um, and so we went out and had lunch. And I sat down at this table in the restaurant. And I said, I just got to talk to you, man. You're, you're at church at the end. Uh, you hang around, you sort of like it. What, what's, what's the problem between you and God here? Some, what's going on? And, uh, and he looked at me. Now, just before I sell, tell you the story, his wife came to the church, and I knew his wife. And she was a nice lady, but a little, a little skew-if. <laughs> just a little. And uh, like, for example... She would leave scriptures in the toilet paper at home so her husband would read them, trying to get him saved, which wasn't working. And uh, she was a little like that anyway. So I'm sitting down, we're at this restaurant, and uh, I said, what's, what's the problem? Why, aren't you, why don't you and Jesus tell me what's going on? And this is what he did, honestly. He, 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 he was sitting down, he does this. That's so, so I leaned in, I said, what's the issue? This is what he said to me. He said, I won't become a believer because I don't want to be like my wife. How sad. And then I, I was shocked by that. I didn't, I, that's not what I thought was coming. So I went back in my seat and went, oh, gosh. So I did this. <laughs> and he leaned in and I said, I don't want you to be like her either. <laughs> and he got saved. He became a Christian right there at the table. So we don't want our example to put people off. And the truth is, if we love, if, we, if we're enjoying our experience as a believer, you will attract people to the kingdom of God. Second thing it said is, let them do good. Let them do good. It says, enjoy, we're meant to enjoy all things, 
But Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, let them do good. Get involved. Serve. Participate. Be somebody else's answer. While we have breath in our lungs, it doesn't matter how old you are, you should have your hands on somebody else's life. You should be helping somebody somehow, somewhere. We're called to do good, all right? To make a difference. And from the day I was born again, I, I wanted to be a part of not just coming to church, but doing something. Maybe I'm just a lousy spectator, I don't know. But from very early on, you know what I used to love? I used to love being on the door. I, I, I'm not an extrovert. Um, I don't like crowds. I don't like public speaking. I, I, um, so this is all, you know, God thing. Um, but I love being on the door. And I, because I, I, I think, I used to think, I thought, before they get past me, they're going to be excited and ready to worship the King. That's my whole plan every Sunday. So when people come in, I'd say, all right, hey, how you doing? I make sure they're ready. And uh, sometimes it's really important because you, you want them to have a great experience with God. And, and I remember this time this couple walked in and you could tell they had a fight in the car. You, you could tell they were not happy with each other. It was all very, and I said, right, I'm going to have them ready to worship God before they get past me. And that was important that day because that was the pastors. <laughs> they needed to have better right before they got through the door. <clears throat> Weekend services, youth ministries, seniors programs, she rescue, red frogs, children's ministry, praise and worship. We've got a, a box down there. If you don't want to say hello to anybody, you can go in that box and do tech things. We've got, we've got a place for the introverts, the extroverts, the high tech, the happy go lucky. We've got a place for everybody in here. Just got to find your spot. I'm not an extrovert. And every time we do the two minutes, let's talk to people around us, extroverts are going, oh, that's not enough time. The introverts are going, oh, gosh, there's another minute to go. <laughs> you know, so we got to find our spot. We've all got a place. But the point is, we're called to serve. Jesus never said, go and make spectators of all nations. <laughs> Some of you are wishing he said that, but he didn't say that. <laughs> Dang, I thought he said that. No, no. Make disciples. Psalm 100 verse 2 says this. Serve the Lord with gladness. All right? Even serving is a lot of fun if your heart's right towards it. Doing something makes you feel good. It makes you happy. Then it goes on. It says, man, do good. And then it says, ready to give. And uh, Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich. He didn't say ask them. <laughs> he was in a good mood, Paul. He thought, you tell them, boy. Don't ask them. You tell them. Tell those who are rich, all right, to do good. Tell them, tell them to not get caught up in self-centeredness and selfishness. Man, command those who are rich. So today, I'm taking on the authority of Paul and commanding. You're all to give and be a part of what God wants to do. Don't trust in riches, but trust in God. Riches are not to be our treasure. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm not rich. You're not really talking to me. You know, by the mere fact you live in Australia, doesn't matter how much you earn, by the mere fact that you live in this country, you're in the top 20% of the richest people on the planet. So I'm talking to everybody here today. You are rich. Command those who are rich. Not to be caught up in self-centered. Not to caught, don't trust riches, but to trust in God. Riches are never to be our treasure. Right? God is to be our treasure. And riches will be added, but they're not to be our treasure. Giving gives you a say in the day that we live in. Money has a voice. Giving to the traffic child says... You can have freedom. Money, giving generosity to the drug addict says you can be set free and you have a future. 
Man, giving says to the poor and neglected, we feed you, we love you, God sees you. Giving says to the lost, you can be found. Jesus is your friend. Giving gives us a way to have a say into the generation that we live in. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 says this, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give, as Pastor Carolina said earlier, as you feel moved, but here it says, as you purpose in your heart. I mean, God's leading you, not of grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, a want-to-give giver. And God is able, this is his promise, God is able to make all grace abound towards you when you're giving, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's the promise of God. Generosity never makes you poorer. Bad money management makes you poorer. Lack of control with your credit card makes you poorer. Giving never makes you poorer. God says this is your way into abundance and it's somebody else's hope into their future. And the last thing that I want to speak to you this morning, and the last thing is willing to share. He says, get ready to give, then be willing to share. And I, I'm not taking this from the situation of sharing our belongings, but I want you to look at it from the concept of willing to share the load, to share the mission, to share the vision. I was speaking to a guy in our church the other day, and he said, Pastor Mark, I've been at this church well before you got here for 45 years. I've seen the toughest of times, the best of times. And I said, and he said to me, he said, I've looked at where we are right now as a church and I've never seen the church stronger in the whole time I've been here. I, I see a generation rising up underneath you that'll take us into our future. And I looked at him and said, you know, he's a pillar. He's been here forever. He's, 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 he's sharing the... It's not, it wasn't Pastor Mark's church. It was my church. It was, or his church. His, you know, it's not Pastor Carolina's church. It's your church. And when you get to that place of going, I'm in this, there's going to be some tough times, but I'm in. When the good times, I'm in. I'm in. That's where we are. Back in the day, um, when they built the temple to glorify God uh, under Solomon and David, um, the temple was so huge, they had giant pillars put in. And the pillars were there to, 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 to carry the weight or the burden of the ceiling or the roof so the glory of God could uh, be un, un, felt or, or seen inside the building and the pillars kept the weight they, they bore the weight but not only did they bear weight they were covered in gold lining and the bible goes on to describe these pillars as that when the sun rose in the morning the sun would hit the gold on the pillars and it would reflect back out into the community into the hills into the mountains and it would remind people to pray and glorify god and it's almost like there's this sense if you're prepared to be a pillar in the house of god to share the load, to carry the weight, have that attitude of not that church, but my church, you're actually reflecting the glory of God and keeping the right things in place so everybody else can find the presence of God. And I think that's a great place to get to in our spiritual life. Um, Jesus illustrates this illustrates how this works by using himself as an example in John 10, verse 11 through 13. It says this, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The, listen to this. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. And I see very clearly here that we've got choices to make, are we hirelings? In other words, do we come while it suits our own purposes and things go well? 
or are we the good shepherd that when bad times come, we stand strong because we care about the sheep? And that's the heart of a person that shares the load, that becomes a pillar in the house of God. And uh, in, uh, in that, the church is built and moved upon into its future. So today, make sure you enjoy all things. Make sure you do good. Make sure you get ready to give. And I ask you to be people that are willing to share the responsibility and the joy of the future of this great house. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes.